0: Good morning. Before we get started, I want you to think with me for a moment. I want you to think about some of your most memorable prayers. And when I say memorable, I mean where were you? What's the situation? Why were you praying? Can you, can you think of some of your most memorable prayers? When I think about some of mine, there are some of my most de- desperate prayers where I'm like, Lord, I need your help. And I need your help like now, so don't delay. And I think if, I've, if I uh, were to think of my most memorable prayer, um, I mean, I've, I've needed help a lot in my life. <laughs> but I remember riding in the back of a vehicle on the way to Logan Sports Hospital my mom and dad and my little brother had been hit head-on in a car accident. And I remember that prayer. I remember just, because I didn't know, we didn't, we didn't know, I didn't know if they were alive. And I remember praying and just pleading with God, Lord, please, please let them be okay. Have you prayed a prayer like that before? Amen. Now, what if, We took that same intensity, that same fervor, and turned it into a prayer like we just saw. Lord, please, cleanse me. Lord, get rid of the sin in my life. And not just that, Lord, help me to grow. Help me to grow. What would happen if we took that same intensity and prayed prayers like that? Well, for one, we don't often pray prayers like that, do we? I mean, most of the time we're just praying for our needs, our wants, our fears, our desires, and that's okay. That's what makes us human. I mean, we, and God says, invites us to do that, to pray for our needs. And fortunately for us, Jesus knows our needs better than we do. So if we get those kind of mixed up and uh, the priorities mixed up, he covers for us. And in fact, even more than that, we we read in Romans that the Holy Spirit intervenes on our behalf if we've got no idea what to say. I mean, have you ever been there? You're like, I don't know, I got nothing. And fortunately, the Holy Spirit intercedes and says to the Father, hey, this is what's on their heart this is what this is what they need aren't you thankful for that but what happens when there is no prayer or when your prayers like and it's just it's just not there then what happens i i don't think I'm throwing you a curveball here to tell you that if your prayer life is flat or doesn't exist it's very difficult to grow spiritually is that a shocker to any of you one of the mistakes that i've made is that, you know, I, I read my Bible uh, just about every day and my devotions, and I, and I think, well, that's enough. And, yeah, I forgot to pray today, and, but I, I was in the Bible. And I found that, no, that's not how it works, that it's the Bible, our, our, our Bible interaction with God's Word and our prayer time talking and listening to Him, those two things working in tandem like pistons that drive our Christian faith. And to help us not just survive, but to thrive. When we don't have that, it's very difficult to not just mature. You run yourselves into problems. In fact, our verse for today is Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But blessed are those who keep God's law. Some translations include the, the word prophetic vision. And we have, in the Old Testament, God's people gives us an example after example of them living out this proverb. I mean, think about how often they went through life neglecting their prophetic vision from God, ignoring his guidance, and he said, what? He said, all right, then this is what's gonna happen. You're gonna run yourself right into trouble. And we can do the same things. We can be those furry little... Things that Pete's been talking about, those lemmings or not, not lemons, Those that's fruit, those, whatever those little, wouldn't it be great if we could all get some furry little creatures and like fill his office at school with, with those? <laughs> Edit that out and, and let's make it happen. But anyways, remember they just committed that, they just ran themselves right off the cliff to their, to their death. And, and not that we're running into our death, so to speak, but think about we can just be going through life doing our thing and doing our thing well, being productive, we're getting stuff done, and we seemingly have good, good relationships. But if we have no vision of where we're going, especially of where God is leading us, then we're going to run ourselves right into trouble. Maybe not off a cliff, but we're going to run ourselves right into a divorce, right into some health problems, You run yourself right into debt, run yourself into depression. You'll run yourself right into a place that you wake up one day and you you think, how in the world did it ever come to this? How did I get here? Have you ever been in that place? Maybe you're in that place now. Well, if you think, no, I'm good, Jason. I'm, I'm a pretty good guy, pretty good gal. I'm here almost every week. And uh, I, I tithe and try to help out. I don't think that could ever happen to me. Well, be careful now. I mean, how many times do we go through a, a year and we not hear of somebody that we looked up to, whether we knew them personally or whether they're on the news, a good Christian role model who falls? We can't get through a year without that happening, can we? So we should be no surprise, we shouldn't be surprised, but every time we are. But if you think it can't couldn't be you, then think again. Two of the most prominent men in the Bible, King David of the Old Testament and the the Apostle Paul and in the New Testament, both found themselves in a place they never thought they would be. They both got to the point where they thought, I'm the man. I mean, David, he became king. And, And Paul, he he was. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. But they got to a place where they had lost their prophetic vision. They were influenced more by the words of men instead of the words of God. And that led David into having an affair and a conspiracy to commit murder. The Apostle Paul, it led him to... Does Pete have some control of the... It led the Apostle Paul to persecute Christians evenly, um, getting them murdered. And yet, what do we know about King David? God called him a man after his own heart, right? And Paul says, you know, I was a Hebrew, I was, the, I was the ideal Jew. But God brought them both to their knees and he opened up their blind eyes. If it happened to them, it can happen to you, it can happen to me. And what I want to do today and not just remind you of that. I want to walk you through four areas in your life that can help keep you from waking up one day and wondering, how in the world did I get here? So this first uh, area, they're, they're in your bulletin, down at the bottom. There's blanks beside them. We'll deal with them at the end, of the end of our time here. But how many can testify that you've grown through some trials and testing in life? Can I get a raise? I mean, when I think about the times I've grown the most, This is what I think about, you know, all of the struggles that I've gone through and how God has grown me through them. And it it makes sense. God does, uh, I think God does some of his best work, you know, through our struggles because pain is an excellent way to get our attention because it hurts. But pain doesn't always change us, does it? That old adage that whatever doesn't kill you makes you better, not if you don't trust God through it. In fact, when I think about the times that I haven't grown, it's the times I haven't trusted God through some of my struggles. Even even in Scripture, you know, we read maybe here in Romans, Paul talks about how suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Yes, this is true if you trust God through the pain, through the suffering. But what if you don't? Then what happens? Then you just build pain upon more pain. I remember in high school, I, uh, during summers I would often work for my grandfather at his uh, car lot, and one of my duties would be to go out to the shed and get some car parts. I don't know what I had. I just would go and do whatever he said. In this particular uh, week, there was the shed that we normally got parts out of. It just was surrounded by a bunch of junk. And it was like an obstacle course when he said, hey, go get some windshield wipers. It was, it, was, it was difficult because I had to climb over stuff to get. And I remember my first time out, I, got, I finally got to the shed, ducked around to eat, and bam, hit my head. And I was like, oh. I went in, got whatever I needed to get. Later that day, after lunch, he sends me back out. Now you, thought, you think I would have remembered that, hey, you need to Duck right here. But no, I was just so proud of making my way through the obstacle course. And then, right before I get into the shed, bam! <laughs> and this time I left a bump the very next day. It's been less than 24 hours. I'm sent out there again. Now you would think after two times. <laughs> nope, this time about knocked me out. Boom! And I come in, I didn't even have the part. <laughs> I just have blood running down the side of my face. Why, why do we do that? I, I remember walking in and thinking, why am I so stupid? How stupid can I be? How many, anybody, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Why are we stubborn like that? If you think about this, if we weren't so stubborn as human beings, there might be only three plagues instead of ten. You ever think about that? <laughs> Finally, God is like, all right, I got another one for you. Here it comes. Because over and over, he keep, we keep experiencing the same pain, the same pain, and we never, it takes us forever to learn our lesson. But listen, it's not the pain that changes us. It's the pain that gets, us, gets our attention, because when we focus on God in our pain, that's when he says, hey, no, you don't understand right now. Stick with me, and I'll, I'll get you through this. But you're not going to grow through your pain without focusing on him. All right, next, we have our relationships. You know, our relationships can really help us grow in our relationship with Christ. Because here, another proverb, says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And if you've been a Christian for very long, you've been around some good brothers and sisters, you know this to be very true, but one of the most, this is one of the most difficult things to prioritize these days because we're so busy. I mean, think about it, you're, you might be thinking, man, it's all I can do to squeeze in this hour on Sunday morning, let alone an hour in a Sunday school class or a small group or volunteering or, or getting to know some people around here. It's difficult to nurture our relationships, But if you're struggling spiritually, then maybe you're missing this one vital piece of your spiritual growth, and that is others. We need others. We, are, we were not designed to grow on our own. And it makes sense because when we have others, how do they help us grow? Well, when we're going through difficult times, they're, they're people that we lean on. And if they're good people in our lives, they're going to encourage us. And and those burdens that we carry, they help us carry them. That's why relationships are so important. But one of the biggest reasons to have good, healthy relationships, especially one or two people who can really be there when you start to drift and get away from from Jesus, from God. they can kind of help, hey, remind you. I remember as a kid, uh, we uh, attended Kokomo Church of Christ, downtown Kokomo. It's Judson Road now, I think. But in those days, we didn't have children's church, and so we, we sat with mom and dad in the pew. And our family just about took up an entire pew. And if you acted up, let's see some of these kids. So if you, if you acted up, okay, and you were close enough to dad, you would get a <laughs> Right in the back of the head. Just, just another little quiet reminder. And so I would strategically try to sit at the end of the pew because Dad's arms were so long. And I remember one particular Sunday, I had made my way, had fought my way, which wasn't very hard, to the end of the pew. And I don't know what what I was doing, but all of a sudden, boom, and I'm like, "It's my Uncle Larry." And he's pointing down to my dad, because my dad had said. <laughs> and I get bam. But <laughs> well, what I'm telling you is you need good relationships and you need at least one Uncle Larry in your life <laughs> to smack you in the back of the head and not point a finger at you. They point a finger down to your father. Okay? Hey, be focusing on him. Okay. Now you've got friends that are poking fingers at you. That's not an uncle Larry. That's more like a an Uncle Fred. <laughs> My family would know what I'm talking about there. <laughs> but you need, you need these kind of relationships in your life. They're priceless. And this next area, the area of serving, I think this goes without saying, but again, because of time constraints, it's often hard to uh, you know to serve like we like we can in a way that grows us we just like want to check it off or we feel guilty yeah yeah I could show up and help out with that but one of the biggest mistakes that people make with serving is is mixing up our spiritual gifts with our acts of benevolence and and love to just people in need you know what you know what I'm talking about I mean the Bible talks about you know we all have different spiritual gifts if you're a follower of Christ and that's good because that's where you can really find your groove. But it's, it's, the, it's the most un-Christ-like thinking to have the thought that I can't help do that because it's not my gift. It's not my job. Hey, listen, God's kingdom isn't a union, okay? If there's something that needs to be done, then we, you know, it's all hands on deck sometimes. It's stinking thinking to think, well, that's not my job. That's not my role. Now, I know changing diapers isn't something that everybody enjoys doing. And I know hanging out with junior high kids may not be your favorite thing. I mean, listen, if you hate kids, then Jonathan or Ashley is probably not going to ask you to help or twist your arms th- that much. Or if you, if you can't sing a lick, you sound like a frog, then Kyle is probably not going to have you up here on stage but I think you understand what I'm getting at, because it's it's not in the spiritual gifts gifts that we grow. It's it's the acts of just love to others that we grow. Let me give you an example. One of the the biggest reasons why we we need to be able to do this is because we set an example for our children that, yes, serving God is not just something we do because we feel guilty. It's it's an excellent opportunity to love him, to love others, and to grow. Jesus says, whatever you've done to the least of these, you did for me. And I've always wanted to instill that into my own children. And so when my, girl, my girls were teenagers in high school in the youth group, we had a part-time youth guy. He couldn't do anything. He um, didn't have time to do any type of mission trip. So I put together... A couple mission trips, a couple summers in a row, where I took like thirty kids and fifteen adults up to South Dakota, North Dakota, to some Indian reservations, and they served. And it wasn't just the serving that uh, changed them. When they we we got them out of their comfort and into not a third world, but a world that was not theirs. And I believe with all my heart that it affected my girls in such a way that, especially my oldest. Um, I, I think those two years had a profound effect of her choosing to become a Christian counselor, and she's getting ready to graduate with her degree in that in about a year. Because that act of serving, she grew. because God drew drew her in, changed her heart. What about you? Are you growing through your through your time of serving? And our fourth area is our spiritual disciplines. Been doing a, a class that's talking about uh, talking about this, but these are these are all the things that we do to not just meet with God, but to get our attention and focus on God. And they basically begin with our interaction with the Bible and our time in prayer, and many things flow out of that. But I really want to emphasize your personal devotional life this morning. I mean, if I were to take a show of hands, which I won't, I, I imagine that you know. Not everybody would be raising up their hands if I asked how how many of you are satisfied with your personal devotional life. I mean, I, I struggle sometimes. I'm not satisfied. And most of us would say, yeah, I struggle. Some of you say, well, devotional life, what's that? But that time that we're alone with God through interacting with Scripture or through prayer, it's so essential. Because when we lack these spiritual disciplines in our life. When we, when we lack the interaction with his word and our prayer time with him, here's what happens. We lose passion. Peter talked about passion a few weeks ago. And remember, he was in the book of Revelations talking to the church of Ephesus. And Jesus had said, you have forsaken your first love. And, and Peter's like, we need, to, we, we need to not do that. We need to have the passion. But do you know what Jesus' advice was to the church? He says, hey, you want to get things back on track, then do the things you did at first. And a lot of what Jesus is referring to is what we call our spiritual practices, our spiritual disciplines, our devotional time with God. But more than passion, we lose more than passion when we don't have these spiritual disciplines as a part of our rhythm, a part of our life. We lose vision. We lose sight of where God is leading us. And when you lose that, when you're going through a a rough patch, it's hard to trust him because you don't have the vision to see him. But when you have those quiet times and you go through some struggles, Jesus says, hey, hold on. We got this. Settle down. I know you don't understand right now, but stick with me. We're going to get you through this. And he gets you through this. And then as after you've gotten through your struggles, you continue in that devotion, that quiet time, those conversations with God. And this is what he does. He says, hey, remember? Remember when you were de- dealing with this? Look, look what I did. I was there, right? And, and now look at you. And you're, you're hesitant to take this next step. So he says, remember? I was there. So now let's go. But when you don't have this consistent devotional time with him, then when life hits you hard, you, you freeze. You're not able to handle. But when you have it, he humbles you. He humbles you to the point that, you, that your love for him grows so much that you're willing to do anything for him, including changing diapers or hanging out with teenagers. Because he is drawing you to the point to where you're all in. You know, if you think about the life of King David, I'm still, I'm always amazed at how in the world did he get himself in such a predicament? I mean, he was touted as a man after God's own heart, and yet he, he committed adultery and, and murder. got himself, he, he more than drifted. He about like jumped ship. How, how did it ever come to that? I have to believe. I can't specifically scripturally back it up, but it makes the most sense that his drifting began with losing his quiet time with God. Now, we know he had it because we have the Psalms. But I I have to believe that there came a point to where the Psalm writing kind of stopped. And if you know his story, you know that he struggled with relationships, right? He had terrible relationships with his sons, struggled with his relationships with his wives. Maybe that was part of the problem, should have stuck with just one. So he gets to the point, bad relationships and He's king now, so he's no longer out on the battlefield serving, getting his hands dirty. I'm king. You guys take care of things. So uh, his devotional life has diminished. His relationships are in the toilet, and he's not serving, not like he was. Well, that makes sense now. No, No wonder he drifted so far from God. So here's what I want you to do. We have these four areas. You've got those little blanks down at the end of your, your bulletin. I want you to evaluate these four areas. You can take time now during our invitation here in a moment, but I encourage you to look at these four areas and and, and grade yourself. Where, where am I struggling? Or you could do this. You can rank them like one to one through four. You know, maybe maybe you're doing good in your 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 devotional time, but you're struggling with relationships, you're not serving, one through four, and then make a commitment to address number four, or maybe you can just grade them A, B, C, D, or F, and however you want to do it, but here's what I encourage you to do, evaluate where you're not growing, and then at some point this week, talk to your spouse about it. Say hey, this is where I kind of feel I'm at. Where do you feel you're at? What, and then what can we what can we do? If you don't have a spouse, then fill out one of them them cards, the connection cards, and say hey, Jason, you know, would you have some time later this week so I can talk about my evaluation where I think I need help? Or if you've got a good friend, say, hey, let's go get coffee. We've got a lot of great elders who would ha- be happy to sit w- down with you and to kind of discuss kind of your next steps into where you could, could start to grow again spiritually. But whatever you do, don't just ignore this. Don't just ignore it. And I'll explain to you why in, in a moment. But if it's your prayer life, your devotional life, you know, I just, I just started a class that kind of talks about how, how this can uh, take place um, in our lives. So if you struggle with this area, I did a class called Drying Off. It's not called drying up like Mr. Stokes thinks that it's called. We're not, we're not becoming prunes. It's called drying off, and it's after you've accepted Christ, after you've been baptized. And what does my life look like with Jesus? So we've already got two sessions in. So we've got two more to go. If, if this is an area that you're interested in growing in, you can come to class number three next week, and I'd be happy to meet with you next Saturday night to catch you up. But you have to let me know. I'm not just going to show up here and see if anybody else shows. You have to, if you you say I'll be there, then I'll be here too. But maybe it's there. Maybe it's with your relationships. And I know that we've got on the card that you can say, yeah, I want to be a part of small groups. There's tons of things that are always going going on here throughout the year. I encourage you to participate and let us know where we can help. But really, a lot of it begins with looking around and asking the person that you would like to get to know a little better. Hey, let's go have coffee. Let's go have lunch. Let's go have dinner. Make, make time a priority for something like that. And serving, you know, look at, look at ways that you can serve, not just ways that you can serve, but especially if you have kids, how you can kind of serve together. And we have opportunities in the church, but also in the community. It's an excellent way to grow spiritually. But I get that some of you might be here today because you've drifted, and you're and you're absolutely like, yes, I'm struggling right here. I'm, I'm struggling to trust God right now because of what's going in, on in my life or what's been going on in my life. And if that's you, then do not, do not leave the day without deciding that I'm going to talk to somebody. I mean, if counseling is something that you need, then great. We, we can uh, point you in the right direction or set you up to uh, talk with uh, someone we think that, that might help. But listen, I'm all about... Christian counseling. My oldest daughter is becoming one. But know this and hear this. This is not against counseling. All of the counseling in the world will not help you if you neglect these four areas of your life. You'll just be in counseling for the rest of your life if you keep ignoring it. In fact, a good counselor is going to talk to you about making these a healthy part of your life. So what about you? What is your decision going to be? Are you going to are you going to just stay where you're at, or are you going to grow? I don't know, did, did you guys catch some of the new signage out in the foyer? Yes, yes I did. Thank you, Sandra. Appreciate <laughs> it. Appreciate we got that just for you. <laughs> so. <laughs> so when you leave, there's uh, where the donuts were We moved. We slid, we slid the donuts over. We've got this My Jerome on the wall. That's where our new welcome and in information is uh, going to be. We're going to have... People will kind of attend that area. But underneath that, it says, loving Jesus more than yesterday. And so that is a phrase that I want to be in our faces every time we come through the, the doors. Because this is just another way of saying, hey, I'm here to love Jesus more than yesterday. I want my relationship with Jesus to grow. I mean, it's good to have a full house, but our priority isn't numbers. Our priority is... Is loving Jesus more than yesterday? Our priority is growing our relationship in Christ, and this is part of this uh, is part of the one thing initiative that I introduced at the beginning of the year, where we talked the sto- we talked about the story of Mary and Martha, and how Ma- Jesus says Mary chose the good portion, the good thing and that was her time with Jesus, and we talked about how, how we need to look at that as a church. If there's anything that we're doing. That's getting in the way of the one thing, our relationship with, with Jesus. Then maybe we need to reprioritize some things. But not just for the church, maybe for your, your home, your home life. I challenge you. Look over your life. Look over those four areas. What one thing is getting in the way of the one thing? Spiritual growth, listen, it doesn't, it doesn't come easy. Unhealthy growth comes easy. Man, they just keep pounding those donuts and grow and grow and grow. But spiritual growth, you have to be intentional about it. Otherwise, you wake up one day and you're in a place you never thought you would be. Fortunately, the Apostle Paul finally figured out the right approach. He says, listen, this is what I do. He says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. And that's my prayer for you, that that's how you will run. Don't wake up someday thinking, how did I get here? Now, before I pray, I know what some of you are thinking. Can't wait till Pete comes back next week. Now, I know that some of you have already looked at those four areas, and you've looked at it and you've thought, well, three out of four is not bad. Okay. And you're right. Three out of four is not bad, but it's not good either. You know what's better? Four out of four. And if you've noticed, that's what we're going for in our series, <laughs> the better. And if you think that, you know, I just got a few cracks in my spiritual uh, walk. Let me tell you a real quick story story that will maybe change your mind. About at least a year ago, and embarrassingly, maybe two years ago, I discovered a crack in the ceiling of my garage. Just a small crack, and I thought, I'll get to that someday. That crack kept getting a little bigger. I put some Band-Aid wood up there to try to just keep it uh, from falling anymore. But months went by, months went by. And then this past fall, while I'm here, my wife texts me. This picture. Four pieces of drywall just collapsed and fell on my lawnmower and stuff. And insulation just went everywhere. And it was just a huge mess, unfortunately, that my sons had to clean up. <laughs> That's the great thing of having boys. But listen, if you've got some spiritual cracks, don't, don't wait till they get bigger. Because you don't want this to happen to you spiritually. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that uh, you are a gracious God, that when we've missed the mark, when we have wandered, that you are right there to draw us back, and that you, you will meet us in many different ways, through our quiet time, through our relationships, maybe just through you know, hard work and sweat. You, you meet us in the most unlikely places sometimes, and specifically during our pain and so, Father, I especially want to pray for anybody who's just hurting today, who's in, who's in pain and just can't see you. They know they should be focusing on you and following you. So, Father, I just help, I just pray that you just clear up their vision and that uh, you, you help them through this church, through your spirit to start making their way towards you and forward. Because we love you and we want to love you more than we did last week, more than we did yesterday, Lord, we We want to fervently just ask you to grow us spiritually so that we can set a great example, not just an all right example for our kids and grandchildren, but a great example of, hey, yes, this is the way. And Jesus Christ is the way. And it's in his Son, and it's in his name that I pray. Amen.